Jesus said, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. That's a tough order, isn't it? No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I call you friends. From the colors of fall to the fragrance of spring Every creature is unique in the song that it sings All exclaiming, indescribable Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Jesus described the measure and quality of his love for the disciples as the love that treats servants as friends. In the relationship between the disciple and his rabbi of that time, it wasn't expected to be a friendship. Yet Jesus, the rabbi, called his disciples, his servants, friends. They were friends because they were obedient, even though they were not perfect in doing so. Friendship with Jesus can't be disconnected from obedience to his commands. If we are to be friends of Jesus, we must also obey him. Now let's join Pastor Rob's teaching, already in progress. But notice what Jesus said in verse 7, If you abide in my works abide in you, you shall ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. When people read this, they immediately think it's carte blanche, that because I'm a Christian, I can just ask God what, he, what I want, and He'll give it to me. But that's not the case, because we know that Jesus already qualified this statement earlier in chapter 14, and He said this, And whatever you ask, and here's the qualifier, underline this, and this is in John 14, verse 13. If you ask any, whatever you ask, in my name, that I will do. And we've kind of already talked about this. But whatever we ask in his name, I'm not going to ask him you know, for a big house by the lake. Because my house is fine. Love my house. It's small. It's not really big. But it, it's just right for our family. I don't need a big house by the lake. It would probably lead me into sin if I got a big house on the lake. I don't need seven Hummers in my driveway, one for each day of the week, different colors. You got the picture? I don't need that. I don't need a $7 million in my bank account. That'd be nice. But it would probably ruin me. I don't need that. So why am I going to ask it in Jesus' name? I'm not. And why would he do it? He's not obligated to answer a prayer like that. He knows it would probably hurt me in some way. And would a loving God allow something in my life that's going to hurt me? Especially if I pray to him about it? No, he won't. But notice in verse 9, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Notice Jesus' example here. And he's saying, As the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Abide in my love. Notice he doesn't ask you to do something that he hasn't done or is not willing to do himself. He went before us. That's what makes him a good shepherd. 
See, other gurus of other religions in the world, they don't care about you. They want you to serve them. They want you to give money to them. They want, us, they want you to do all the dying and for them to do all the living in Palm Springs in their new house that you have funded with all of your generous donations on, online, right? <laughs> but that's not God. He's done everything for us. He's done everything for us. We don't have to do anything for him except love him and serve him and worship him. And everything that comes out of that very naturally, it's very simple, very freeing. It's really not any more complicated than that. But notice in verse 10 what Jesus said, a conditional statement, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And these things I have spoken to you, that my joy, notice it's his joy, that his joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This idea of joy is cheerfulness. It's a calm delight. It's gladness. And I love that. I love joy. And joy is not always dependent upon circumstances. I can have a joy even when things aren't going so well because I know my position in Christ. You know, we came home from Florida when we went there in in November and we came back in the beginning of January and we found out that our... our, uh, water heater, hot water heater, was leaking. And it was pool, a big pool of water was starting to accumulate in our basement. And, you know, I can even, I can say, thank you, God. I had joy because, you know what, it could have been a lot worse. And I knew he allowed that to happen when he did. And even if he didn't, I could still have joy because, guess what, it's not the end of the world. All this stuff is just temporal. We can hold on to things too tightly. And sometimes the Lord is saying, hey, will you just let go and enjoy yourself? Just let go. Believe me, you'll sleep a lot better and you'll be a lot better to be around. Just let go. Just let go. Trust me. (laughs) Trust in me, God says. Will you trust in him? Will you abide in him? Verse 12, he says, This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. And notice, greater love has no one than this, than to lay one's life down for his friends. This word love here in verse 13, this is agape. This is the word that the Greeks, that's the highest form of love in the Greek language is agape. It's selfless. There's nothing about self in this word at all. It's all benevolence. It's all doing something for the other, to benefit the other, and not caring about oneself. That is what agape is. And in fact, he qualifies it by the context that he puts it in. Look, notice, greater love has no man than this than to lay down one's life. I mean, is there anything that's called the greatest, what is that, what is that the word? What's that? Well, it, it certainly is a, a, a great commandment, but it's like the ultimate sacrifice, isn't it? You can give away something, no big deal, but when you put your life on the line, ah, that's a whole different ball game. And what Jesus is saying is that the highest form of love is when you're willing to do it. Not that you have to, but you're willing. And this is interesting because we might have the grace to die for a spouse or a child or someone that we love. Maybe even a really great person. But I, you need to know that Jesus went even further than this. And he did what nobody else would do. And what was that? It says in Romans, for scarcely a righteous man will die. Will one die? Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But notice verse 8, But God demonstrates his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
See, I might be willing, and I'm not going to boast of anything, but I, 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 I think I would be willing to die for my wife or my daughter. If somebody says, look, it's either you or them, I'd say, well, make it quick. You know, I mean, I'd like to think that I would do that. I'd like to think that I would because I love them. But put me next to a serial killer, and they say, one of you is going to die. Which one is it going to be? In the flesh, I'm going to say, him. And guess what? I'll have an audience all behind me, all the parents that this man has killed. Yeah, put him to death, put him to death. And I can walk away and they can do their business. But that's the person Christ died for as well. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. See, that's the kind of love that he has, which is so different from my love, because my love is conditional. If you do this, if you do that, then I'll love you. If we have fellowship, I'll love you. If we have same interests, the same kinds of things, we like the Dallas Cowboys. Anybody here like the Dallas? Nah, whatever. People. All right, I like Dallas. My name's Rob Kellogg, and I like Dallas. But, But that's the thing. I can have this camaraderie with them, You know, but what is that? You know, Christ died for the ungodly. He died for me while I was still yet a sinner. And this kind of love is not natural. In fact, it's supernatural. That's why we need the Spirit of God working in us and through us. That's why we need to abide. Verse 14, Jesus said, You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. That's a tough order, isn't it? No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I call you friends. I called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Notice that. What God has has spoken, God the Father has spoken to Jesus. Those are the things that he has shared with his disciples. That's what a friend does. A master and a slave relationship, they don't do that. You know, if, if if a man owns a business and I'm one of his workers, he doesn't tell me the ins and outs of the business. He just says, go do this and do that, and I just simply do it. But Jesus says, I've told you everything. And hasn't he told us everything? I mean, you look at the Bible, he's told us everything. The big picture, we may not know what's going to happen tomorrow in the minutiae of life, but the big, 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 you know, broad brush of history, he's already told us in advance. And he's done that so that we could be at peace, that we could have assurance that he's in control. And I love that. See, that's what a good shepherd is. That's what a good shepherd does. He prepares. He tells in advance. You're his friend. We are a friend of God. Abraham was a friend of God. We don't have time to go there. And if you um, go on our website, you'll be able to see these slides. You'll be able to look, open a PDF and see these slides as you listen to the podcast again or whatever. But we're going to go on here because I want to get to something. But Abraham was a friend of God. Notice in verse 16 it says, You did not choose me, Jesus said, but I have chose you, that you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask in my, the Father, notice, in my name, he may give it to you. Back in the 70s and 80s and even the 60s, people have often said, Well, I found Jesus. And yeah, you may have found him, but let me suggest to you that he found you. While you were wandering, while you were the prodigal, running around in the world, doing all your drug, sex, and rock and roll, Jesus was coming after you. 
and interrupting your life at different times. I had people like that in my life, and one of them was David Rickards. A guy who would intervene in my life at different times and tell me, Rob, God's got a plan for your life. He loves you. Give your heart to him. Oh, whatever. You know, good for you. Isn't that the common expression? Hey, if it works for you, that's great, man. But, you know, I've got something else going on, and it works for me, and it's different for you. So you do your thing, and I'll do my thing, and we'll sing Kumbaya, and we'll go home. No. He found us. He found us. I didn't find Jesus. He found me. He always knew where I was. He always knew where I was. And I think it's wonderful to know that God has chosen us. And if he's chosen us, then there's a reason and a purpose for our life. Never forget that. When you think to yourself, my life means nothing. Oh, it means a lot to God. And it doesn't matter. Even if you're an unbeliever, Jesus loves you with a passion. He loves you with a passion. No matter how freaked out and the mess that you're in, bring your mess, right? Jesus invites you to bring your mess. It doesn't matter how bad you are. You could have been a serial killer. You could have been a, it doesn't matter. I don't even want to list those things. Horrible things. You could have been all those things. Come to Christ. He loves you. But you must repent and come to Christ. And notice, this is where the, the passage takes a term. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. What do you mean, Jesus? Why would anybody hate you? You're the Son of God. Yes, but the Son of God also is an affront to the natural man, isn't he? The Son of God has not come to make men feel comfortable in their sins. No, he's come to, to tell you the truth. And sometimes, most of the time, truth hurts. I don't like to be told what I don't like about me. Who does? When God puts a finger on something in your life as you're reading his word, take it to heart and say, God, I never knew that about me. And he's like, Rob, I knew that about you a long time ago, but only now are you willing to hear it. And know this, I love you. I'm not mad at you, but you have to understand this part of who you are and you need to surrender it. You need to come to me and let me heal you. Let me change the way you think. That's what repentance is. It's, it's changing. It's, it literally means as you're walking in one direction, you just do an about face and you turn the other direction. That's what repentance is. It's turning away. Turning away. Notice in verse 19, If you were of the world, Jesus tells them, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, I have chosen you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. We are all guilty by association. You know that, that song by the news base, Guilty by Association? That's what we are. Because we know him, they hated him, they crucified him. Guess what? They're going to hate you as well. Not everybody, but the world is not a friend to the Christians. And, the friend, you know, and so we, we can be nice to them, but they're probably not going to be nice to you. And I, I think it's interesting, too, that the world is marching to the beat of a different Pied Piper. This evil Pied Piper, Satan. The ruler of this world. And the world hates us because we do not subscribe, we don't support their system or their worldview. And let me say a few things that are probably going to step on a few toes this morning. But the current administration in Washington, D.C., and many liberal governors around the United... Many, many liberal... Not all. Did you hear me? Not all, but many. Governors around the United States are doing things that defy logic. They defy logic. 
They're hypocritical. They are not only deceiving, but they're also, they're, they're not only deceived, but they are also deceiving. And it's front and center right now. And the world knows that it's, that the world knows its own and it hears its own voice. But you and I are not to march to that Pied Piper. We are not to listen or to participate in that voice, but only to those things that support the biblical worldview. And what are some things? Just to be current and applicable in what we're talking about today, what about abortion? I'm pro-life. Why? Because God is. What does it tell us in Deuteronomy? See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil, and that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways, to keep His commandments, His statutes, His judgments, that you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. But if your heart turns away, God says, so that you do not hear and are drawn away and you worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and possess it. I call heaven and earth as witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. Choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Yes, choose life. So yes, I am pro-life. Why? Because God is. And if you're a Christian and you're pro-choice, you've got a big problem. You've got a problem with God. You've got a problem with His Word. You need to get that squared away today. And I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm against the LGBTQ movement. And why is it? Is it because I'm unloving and a bigot? No. God loves everybody. And don't, don't misunderstand me, but you've got to understand, God is against it. What does it tell us in Leviticus? And I'm going to read this to you. This is uncomfortable, but people need to hear this. Because it's, got, it's not my opinion. Do you understand? It's not my opinion. It's God's word. And let me tell you, as I read this, no, I'm being serious. As I read this, it's not just about homosexuality either. God hates heterosexual fornication as well. People who are living together, not married, continuing to have sexual intercourse with each other, that is as much a sin as this is. We have to understand that. But what does God say? I'm going to read it to you because there may be a time where they're going to throw me in jail for this. They're doing it in Canada. You shall not lie, and this is Leviticus 18. You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination nor shall you mate with any animal to, to defile yourself with it. Nor shall any woman stand before an animal to mate with it. It is perversion. Do not defile yourself with any of these things. For by all these things the nations are defiled, which I am casting out before you. For the land is defiled. Therefore I visit the punishment of its iniquity upon it, and the land vomits out its inhabitants. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, and you shall not commit any of these abominations, either any any of your own nation or any stranger who dwells among you. For all these abominations the men of the land have done who were before you, and thus the land is defiled, lest the land vomit you also out when you defile it. And it is vomited, and it is vomited out the nations, and it vomited out the nations that were before you. For whoever commits any of these abominations, the persons who commit them shall be cut off or literally put to death 
among their people. You know, I think God is just being poetic there. I don't think he really means any of that, do you? Of course he does. It's, it's in plain English. It means the same thing in the Hebrew as it does the English. So their fight is with God. And let me tell you something. God loves the person. Okay, he does. Don't misunderstand me. If you see me getting heated, it's just because there's a lot of tension in this topic. And I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated about a lot of things, to be honest with you trying to deal with these things myself. But this is what the Bible says. And this is what we have to hold to. And never be ashamed of it. Never be ashamed to lovingly confront somebody if they're willing to hear. They may not be willing to hear it, but if they're willing, you can lovingly take them to this passage. Say, look, this is what God says, but you've got to know that he loves you. And it's because this is going to destroy you. And why is that? Why is homosexuality bad, especially among males? Well, let me give you a statistic. Somewhere in the 40s is the lifespan. I forget what it is, like 42 to 47 is the life expectancy of a gay male. Is it because God wants to spoil their fun or something like that? No, it's because they weren't designed for that. It's all about design. We follow God's design, we're good. We get out of God's design, we're in a lot of trouble. And so we have to obey that. If you want to live, if you want to die, then by all means, continue doing what you're doing But if you want to live and you want God to love you, you have to abide by His rules because He loves you. He's not a bigot. And let me tell you this. He goes after the the heterosexuals too, the male and female. Exodus, you shall not commit adultery. And I think 1 Corinthians 6 sums it all up in one nice little ball. He says, do, not, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. If they continue in these things without repentance, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. Is that my words? No, you just read them. They're God's words. And folks, we're living in a day today, we need to stand on the word of God. Because they're coming after your kids. They're coming after you. And they're not going to stop. And you don't have to stand in front of your house with a gun. I'd rather stand in front of my house with a Bible. I'd rather say, here is my defense. Where is your defense? Honestly, think about that. If, you, if, if what you think is what you, what you deserve to live in this lifestyle, and that's okay, that's your prerogative, you can live that way. But I want to tell you the truth. Why? Because God loves you. He wants to spend eternity with you. He doesn't want you to go to hell. But he's not going to stop you if, you, if you're like obstinate, you're like, no, I'm going to continue doing this because I feel like I've got the right to choose. Well, you do. Then choose. But you're going to have to trip over the Son of God before you go there. But these, this is his word. These aren't my words. It's his. And his motivation is love. And I better... <laughs> Where is their source? Honestly. You know, when I share these things, am I, just pulling, am I just telling you these things because I feel this way? Is it just my opinion? No, it's not my opinion. It's all right in here. Where is their argument? Well, I kind of feel like it's you know, because God's a God of love that we should be able to do it. No. You don't, you don't define love and you don't define marriage. You don't define anything. The word of God, God himself defines these things and they're all here. 
They're all here. You can look. That's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as our location, service times, information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, and information regarding Bread of Life Academy, our new school opening in the fall of 2023. Just click the school link at the top of the page for more information. Additionally, you may also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play Podcast or Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.